welcome to the podcast of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. We are training coaches and coaching leaders because we know that only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Because we care and we want you to reach your full potential, we coach you to choose life-giving reactions to the warning lights that show up on the dashboard of your life. Welcome back to the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. In this two-part episode, we'll cover a few of the aspects of a second coaching session after they've completed their homework assignment and returned. Uh, so I want to begin with a few, uh, we'll say just some general comments about this second session. Um, it may surprise you to find out that you will do more first sessions than you will do second ones. A big reason for this is that people often are not as committed to change as they need to be or as they think they are. For one reason or another, they expect the work to be the coaches, not theirs. They have the idea that uh, you know when they, they leave, they're just going to be better already, um, having to expend very little energy on their end. Um, like we have you know some sort of magic wand that we can wave over them Harry Potter style and fix whatever's broken. Uh, whatever the reason, people may never come back after a first session. When they realize how much uh, we talk about God and involve Him in the process, it'll turn some away. And sometimes uh, the coach and the coachee just do not hit it off for personal reasons. It's, it's no one's fault. It's just kind of the way it is. Other times, the information we give in the first session is enough to jumpstart their pursuit of God. And, you know, they run with it. Well, they run with what we gave them. Uh, and on their own, they can, they can do well. Also, there will typically be more time between the first and second appointments than between the second and thirds. Once people do come back for a second coaching session, it's very likely they will keep coming back. There, there is this hurdle between session one and session two that folks have to get over. When they do get over it, they will normally press forward. Uh, I've had people contact me for their second session months and years after the first one. They, they thought they were, they were ready and found out they, they were not, but now... Those months or years later, they're sufficiently frustrated with life that they're ready to, to actually do some work. Um, and if, if it has been a long time since I've seen them, I'm, I usually just ask why. There will often be useful information in that discussion alone. Uh, once you've caught up, I will ask them um, what they feel they learned or concluded from doing the homework. Now, I used to, back in the early days, used to take their notes from them. I would pour over them right in front of them. It took a lot of time. Uh, I would pour over them trying to decipher and, and interpret their notes for myself. Not anymore. I, I usually don't even look at them. Uh, the mental process of summarizing what they wrote down really helps them. It's, it's much better if they come to a conclusion for themselves than if I come to one and, and then I have to convince them of it. So I ask the question and wait for them to work it out, usually out loud. They'll begin talking. Um, sometimes it doesn't sound like they're ever going to get to to some actual place. Uh, I, I listen while they work that out. I take my own notes and help them focus here and there. But the, the main thing they um, discovered is theirs to discover. Sometimes they do a pretty informative job of it. And, and you know, others still have, uh, you know, they don't have a wink of illumination and, and, and they need more help. Um, there's a, there's a common joke floating around the, the counseling world about the misunderstood idea that the, you know a therapist or counselors or a coach like us that we make the you know the, the person that's hurting do all the work um, by asking an endless rift of questions like what do you think about that <laughs> just keep just um, just keep asking focusing questions you know and that's the idea and they're gonna figure it out on their own 
So yes, well, that's true. We do ask a lot of questions. But knowing the question ask, asking good questions, directing questions, questions that are laced with truth that they need to hear, it, it's both uh, a critical and a learned art form. Uh, asking questions is crucial for several reasons. Uh, not just because you're lazy and want them to do all the work. Um, but if we have sent them with homework to hear from God for themselves, we certainly ought to ask them what they heard. If they do not think it through for themselves, people will become dependent on our thinking processes. And we're trying to teach them to think through spiritual issues for themselves. And, and most people want to help themselves anyway. And additionally, folks do not always respond well to being told a thing about themselves. So give them the chance to tell it to themselves. Questions are not a cop-out. They are an essential technique that help keep them in the process of their own healing. Now, um, I will take what they have said as they work out their theory, and I, I kind of work out my own theory, and I often will write down word for word something that they say, or several things that they said, and then I will use their own words to lead them to a theory of their own if they are still lost. Sometimes they will end up focusing on a single event, memory, or person, but not, not know what to do with it. They may need an, an explanation as to why something is important. They, they may need help making connections that are not apparent to them. But I try very hard to frequently say something like, um, did you hear what you just said? And, and I'm amazed by how often people come to write conclusions and do not even know it or know why. It's equally amazing how often they will say something profound that they did not hear. That's right. They say something profound and they don't even hear it. I have to repeat or rephrase or condense or interpret for them or, or I'll just replay that. I'll replay what they said word for word. And, and, and two responses are, I didn't just say that, did I? Or, I did just say that, didn't I? it's frequently true that God has already told them what has gone wrong in their heart, and all I, I need to do is lift it out of their own processing and then reflect it back to them. So there are several reasons for asking them what they think was most important out of all the stuff they wrote down as they did the homework. The questions are critically important. I believe that God will not normally tell me what is going wrong in someone else's heart. Okay, there's another reason for the questions. I'm going to repeat that. I believe that God will not normally tell me what is going wrong in someone else's heart. That does happen when God deems it necessary, but um, it, it's, it's not normal. And at the very least, um, it's not normal for me to try to speak it into them necessarily. What you end up doing as a spiritual coach is taking what they have discovered and reflecting it back to them. Um, I, I believe God will tell them because it's their heart and their problem. Again, we um, come back to the homework. God will tell me what he expects me to do and what his will for my life is. He might send someone to me to, to point me in the right direction, but until I hear him for myself, I should wait, be patient, and act only when God has confirmed to me directly what he wants. I think healing is the same. Their heart is not our heart, so spiritual coaches have to be careful about poking around in someone else's and then telling them what was wrong in there. This is why I believe that people often blurt out their own diagnosis even when they have no idea that they have just done so. This is why we have to listen, stop them, push rewind, and repeat what they just said or implied to them. God has spoken their own healing directly to the heart that is wounded. 
Some of this is because every heart and experience is different. So the remedy for their wound and, and pain has to come from their God-illuminated thinking and emotions to be rightly fit for them. So forget about the jokes about asking questions and ask them anyway. Ask lots of questions and make sure you listen. Um, the goal is to learn where God has directed them so we know where to begin the healing process in their lives. And here is where a, a training like this is going to fall short going forward. It takes practice and experience and, you know, certain gifts to do it. I, I just cannot explain how you know where to begin. A lot of this, I'm, I'm only going to take you through the first two sessions because, well, you just can't explain it this way. Then there is the knowledge needed to hear woundedness in the midst of all the words and their own confusion that can become your confusion. <clears throat> how do you explain that to someone and teach them how to do it? I'm not sure this can be coached, just observed, and picked up. So actually, one remedy I've found for this is having people who think they want to be spiritual coaches sit in on the coaching session. It is the best training. And then I'll, you know, I'll debrief with them um, after the session and, you know, point out certain things and answer their questions. Now, I, I can try to highlight some things for you to look for. Uh, unforgiveness is probably the biggest. Unprocessed pain with its grief and, and anger and confusion is the number one killer of peace and joy with, among the human race. And the second side of forgiveness follows closely on its heels. <clears throat> Go back a few episodes and um, pick up my two podcasts on forgiveness if you <clears throat> have specific questions about that. So the first side of forgiveness being um, what was done to us that we need to forgive, and then the second side being the way we reacted and responded to the pain that needs to be forgiven. The vows that have been made, the, the pain medications we've chosen, the lies we believe, the lies we've told, the justifications, convoluted excuses we have made for others and ourselves. Oh, those are the things you're, you're listening for. All that just to escape the nagging pursuit of the wounds and the hurts, and all just to carve out a few minutes of calm and numbness away from all the voices and emotions. This is the kind of stuff you're looking for. You're looking for places where people aren't in touch with um, what is going on in their heart and in their story, and you're going to often find it as I've said, in their own words. Um, in there somewhere, in, 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 in what they're saying to you, is 95% of the world's hurts and wounded. And those things I just said, you know, unforgiveness and uh, all those things I just listed, that's the 95% the of the problems that you're looking for in people's lives are going to be in just a few different areas. Now, how it works out is different in each person, but things like unforgiveness, the two sides of unforgiveness, and, and certain vows they've made, and the way they've chosen to, to medicate and numb the pain in their heart, and the, and, the, and the lies. I mean, if you can find a lie, that's gold. And, and, and in every wound, there's a lie. Every wound contains a lie. So you're looking for the untruths that were spoken over them or, or by someone. You're looking and listening for vows that were made, like the common, I will never let myself be hurt like that again. You know, that kind of vow that does so much damage and shuts down so much love and kindness and warmth. In every wound there is a lie, usually half true, to hide it from detection. Let's 
take a short break to give your brain a chance to rest. Did you know that this podcast is not the only resource that we have available to help you with your own relationship with God and your spiritual coaching efforts? TwoRivers.Church backslash life coaching, don't forget the hyphen, has dozens of tools and book links to help you in your life with God and your ministry to others. You can even sign up there to get spiritual coaching for yourself with Pastor Carrie, either in person or virtually. It's a work in progress and we'll be getting a facelift soon, but it's chock full of practical content to read, watch, and listen to. Wherever you choose to interact with Pastor Carrie online, please remember to rate, like, follow, and share so that other leaders and coaches can find this helpful content. If you would like to connect with Pastor Carrie, you can go to tworivers.church backslash lifecoaching, email him at carrie at tworivers.church, or text him on Twitter or Facebook by going to at SC dashboard. All right, let's finish today's episode of the podcast. People, people's thinking follows a certain script that has been written for them and by them. And when it is full of deception and vows, devoid, devoid of emotion and protection, written out of abuse and anger and confusion, the script needs to be rewritten. By script, I mean the story they tell themselves about themselves and their past, their self-talk. A spiritual coach needs to help people see where they um, they script where the script they believe and that runs their life is itself abusive and destructive. Okay, a spiritual coach needs to help people see where that script that they believe that what they are now saying over themselves, the self talk that they're hearing in their head every day, um, that that runs their life, is itself abusive and destructive. We then help them formulate a new truth, a new script to explain life, one overflowing with grace and truth and protection, one that does not sound like it came straight out of the pit of hell. You're listening for the paradigms that they live by. It is, um, you know, the, the self-destructive, self-diminishing, or, or does it otherwise see things from a negative pole with hopelessness and despair? So we need to speak truth and help them get their thinking working from the other pole of truth and positivity. Um, we need to tell them a different, truer story about themselves in their past. Reality is what it is. Life is what we make of it. Help them make something beautiful out of it. And make sure the new script is heavy with biblical truth, you know, and, and God's love and things that point them to God and, 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 and declare their dependence on God and need for God. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up with, with this, I, this thought right here. And, and not everyone has what I'm going to call the a prophetic gift, and, and don't get um, too confused right at this moment, because I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Um, not everyone has this, per, the, what I'm going to define for you, this the workings of a prophet, um, but what I want to say to you is that even if you don't have the gift, um, these are all things you're going to probably need to do. Uh, uh, they might be part of the script that you give people. And, and, and it's going to be some of the things you're going to need to say to them to um, direct them where they need to go. So what do prophets do? Well, prophecy can be all six of these things separately or often combined together. And I'm going to just run down through them right here. A prophet instructs the spiritually illiterate. They unsettle the spiritually complacent. They warn the spiritually wayward. They focus the spiritually confused. They inspire the spiritually tired and prophesy to the spiritually listening. <clears throat> Let's go through them real quick, one at a time. A prophet instructs the spiritually illiterate. People who are 
uninformed, untrained, unschooled, untaught, and <laughs> unmodeled. I know, not a world word, but people who have had no model. Much of what people need is either to know the truth or to activate the truth. Biblical literacy leaves new Christians without a base of truth to live by, so we will instruct them in the ways and the truths of the Bible. We instruct the spiritually, or you can even say biblically, illiterate. Two, um, we unsettle the spiritually complacent. People who are satisfied, content, comfortable, stuck, self-righteous. Our job is often to place a burr under their saddle. Now, that's an outdated metaphor, but it's so good, I'm going to just give you a quick explanation. Generally speaking, horses' saddles are placed on a blanket that goes between the horse and the saddle. Uh, the horse needs to be brushed in the proper direction so there are no burrs in their fur before the blanket, the blanket is put on and, and, and they're saddled up. Even the horse's hair, if it is rumpled up and going in the wrong direction, it can irritate the animal once the saddle and rider are on. When the rider mounts and the burr gets shoved into the animal's skin, it irritates them. The horse will eventually fight to extricate itself out from under that pain caused by the pressure that blanket and saddle and rider put on that burr or that must up hair or that irritation. Spiritual coaches are like that burr, that little burr or must up fur. Those who are spiritually complacent need to be provoked in loving and appropriate ways to love and good need, deeds. We need to stir them up, even agitate them, so they'll take steps to quell the pain of our poking them into, into you know, change and, and moving them forward towards God. The spiritually complacent are on dangerous ground because pride and stagnation are lurking nearby. They may need to be spurred, there's another horse metaphor, to godly action in place of spiritually lazy inaction. So we instruct the spiritual literate, we unsettle the spiritual complacent, and we warn the spiritually wayward. People who are independent, rebellious, willful, wandering, controlling, unbelieving, often uh, a warning is warranted. Uh, I regularly warn people about where they're headed, about where their sin, bitterness, anger, and addiction is leading them, where the current trajectory of their life is aiming them. The prophetic gift sees sin where others have missed it and calls people to righteousness. They need to see that when they allow the sin to linger, it leaks into places they do not want and onto people they never meant to hurt. Sometimes the warning is about who else is going to be hurt if they do nothing, like their spouse and children. Manipulation is not the goal, just some godly fear that if they do not change, they will not like where they end up. So, um... We also focus the spiritually confused. And again, you might not have the particular gift that, that helps you do this or kind of almost provokes you to do it, but these are all actions. We all need to do the work of a prophet. We focus the spiritually confused. People who are perplexed, frustrated, defeated, discouraged, unsatisfied, hopeless. When people carry a lot of baggage from their past, confusion abounds. The things that to them do not make sense make complete sense to an outside, objective, informed observer, which is what the spiritual coach is supposed to be. Their response, <coughs> their response on the left seems isolated and unwarranted because they do not see that it is intimately connected to something on the right. I have often seen people repent immediately for sin and, and unforgiveness when they make the necessary connections between their past and their present. So we're focusing the spiritually confused. We're helping them find the clarity they need. 
Number five, we inspire the spiritually tired. People are worn out, beaten up, betrayed, wounded, rejected, burned out. We will spend a lot of time as spiritual coaches just giving hope and encouragement to those who are tired. Life as a Christ follower has its price to be paid, and often we are left feeling alone and without a champion to stand up for us. While not true, it certainly can feel that way. Be a life-giving coach. Even if one of your gifts is not encouragement, you will need to practice that skill and employ it constantly. One of the simplest and most rewarding gifts I get to give the spiritually tired is to just tell them they are okay, that things will work out, that they're not crazy, that they're doing a good job, and stay on course. Uh, The sixth one is the one people are more... Uh, expecting to hear. We prophesy to the spiritually listen. People who are open, needy, attentive, waiting, hungry, thirsty, tuned in. So that's the that's the part that most people think of. Think of. Not everyone is going to be ready for such a thing. However, the Spirit of God may ask you to speak prophetically over them anyway. Or God will tell you to keep it to yourself even when He does give you some prophetic word for them. Sometimes God tells you a thing just so that you can pray about it and, and hold it in your heart till the, just the right time that they need to hear it. You might know a thing um, before they find their, their, their healing and, and, and hold that through numerous sessions until they find some breakthrough and then you then you follow that breakup through with this encouraging prophetic word that just propels them towards God in a way they wouldn't with a speed that they wouldn't have with with a devotion they wouldn't have if that prophetic word wasn't tacked on to the end of that wounding there just are times people will need to hear that God is ready to do something great in their heart and their lives Next time on the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, we'll talk more about the second appointment, and I will walk you through how to pray for another person's healing. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you heard something that got your attention, whether it be for your own relationship with God or for coaching others, don't waste the divine nudge. Be sure to take the time to think through how to work the truth into your life and practice. If you do spiritual coaching, either formally or informally, remember that it is hard to lead where you have never been yourself. We pray that God uses the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard to inform and transform your life before it reaches another. If you are in the upstate New York area, specifically Binghamton, or are visiting or just passing through, look Pastor Carrie and myself up. We'd love to have a cup of coffee with you and chat about our dynamic relationship with God or about how to do spiritual coaching in your context. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the podcast of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard.